This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. Mama told me when I was young, we're all superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Lisa McDonald here from Dundas, Ontario, Canada. I want to thank you once again for joining me, rejoining me on this lovely Friday. Uh, we're having a little bit of a, a difficulty connecting with our guests. So my guest today, uh, Madeline Stewart, everybody knows her. Uh, she's on the global spectrum. Uh, she's world-renowned. Um, her mother, who is also her manager, Roseanne, they live in Brisbane, Australia, and I think with the time difference and the time zone issue, uh, there was some understanding or misunderstanding that the show was yesterday. So we have been trying to connect. It's one o'clock in the morning there, uh, trying to get people out of bed. <laughs> so I'm going to be improvising a little bit here with the hope that Roseanne connects with us. Um, so anyway, I just want to say that this is actually a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, people may only know me as the author, the writer, the speaker, uh, the radio show host now for two networks, going live with my new host show, uh, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on another network. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, but this particular guest uh, is important to me. Uh, for the fact that prior to my reinvention process, I used to be in senior management within social services, and I worked with a whole spectrum of individuals, primarily within the nonprofit sector. And uh, one of the jobs, and uh, I don't even like to use that word jobs, but one of the positions that I held uh, that really transformed my life and truly prepared me for motherhood was being a live-in manager uh, for an, a community agency called Community Living. And I lived with four clients uh, who were differently abled um, for three and a half years. And I had about 40, 45 and a half hour, or 45 hours of uh, staff per week to assist me. Uh, it was a live-in model, so I lived with my clients. One of the clients whom I had in particular did have Down syndrome, and she didn't have a lot of family involvement, so I hung out with her uh, even more so than anybody else who I lived with, uh, the other three women within the home. And so she would come with me to family functions. Uh, we celebrated Christmas together for almost four years. Uh, she was an absolute doll. Uh, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. And I lived out in Alberta when she passed here in Ontario, which is where I'm originally from and now back living, transplanted. And uh, I just have to say, you know, for people who know individuals who have Down syndrome, they really are the salt of the earth human beings. 
um, this particular woman, Joyce, was grateful for absolutely everything in life, uh, many of things that we normally take for granted on a daily basis. And she truly lived within a childlike spirit. You know, everything was an adventure. Everything was uh, beautiful, uh, loved people, loved life embraced people, completely loving, kind-hearted, kind-spirited, and, um, you know, just making a lunch for her every day or providing her with basic hygiene, giving her a shower, helping her get dressed, uh, you know, immense gratitude, always immense gratitude, and woke up every morning with a smile on her face, went to bed every night with a smile on her face, and, uh, you know, I just feel so immensely blessed that this particular individual uh, touched my life. And again, going back to the model of, of housing, uh, what this program was, it was, you know, basically I was a mom. So I was a mom to four women. I had one of the more senior homes in the agency. Uh, there were about 13 live-in model type homes as opposed to shift care. And I advocated, uh, a lot at the government level for this uh, model of housing. I truly believed in it. Uh, I truly believe in inclusion, which is what Madeline Stewart is all about and uh, what her message stands for and her brand. And, um, you know, so we were trying to, at that time that I was with that agency back, and I believe it was 2000, uh, we were trying to get more homes built up in the community and get people off the waiting list due to the fact that their parents were quite aged and their concern, of course, as we all have for our children, is who is going to be here for my child when I die? And, of course, Down syndrome, regardless of your chronological age, you know, you're functioning, functioning at a certain cognitive level. So these individuals do still, regardless of to the degree that they're independent, uh, do require ongoing support. Uh, particularly as they get older themselves and uh, as we all do and need assistance with daily living. And so, you know, we, uh, we really rallied and championed the cause and we received unprecedented funding. Uh, I had been asked to spearhead a couple of things with regards to that initiative. One was a public service announcement. That public service announcement uh, went through provincial parliament and it was seen by all the cabinet ministers, and uh, we then passed uh, uh, we, we passed uh, bylaw 125, uh, Persons with Disabilities Act. And so that was really key with the unprecedented funding in which we received, and as a result of that, we got many homes built. Uh, we got more people off the waiting list, and the public announcement clearly depicted what the differences were in every aspect of a shift care home, a residential home, versus a live-in home, the two different models. And uh, shift care, you know, I mean, there's different needs out there and there's different programs that need to exist to accommodate different clientele needs. Uh, but the live-in model, you know, it, it, you wouldn't have known it to be any different than any other house within the community on the same street. Uh, we blended as we should. Um you know, there's more buy-in with the staff. Uh, there's more buy-in with the living manager because we provide the constant stability and ongoing care that these individuals uh, require. And uh, you take care of the property. You treat the house as if it were your own. And, um, 
you know, we actually accomplished more and were more cost effective with the budget. And we had less of a budget to work with than the shift care because, of course, there were more people living within the shift care uh, type home as opposed to the live-in home. And we had a respite bed that was available for uh, clients who were still living at home with their parents uh, to provide the parents with a bit of a reprieve. And that was also... That was also strategic and um, well thought out a plan because eventually these individuals who still lived at home or who were on the waiting list had a bit of an opportunity to glimpse what their future home may look like down the road. And uh, so it was just wonderful. We did weekly daily activities, which consisted of bowling, arts, crafts. Uh, anything theme oriented that was on the stat, uh, stat holiday calendar, Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, Christmas, you know, we, we really as an agency and as a community got behind the clients and, uh, put the face to it as Madeline Stewart continues to do. So for those who don't know who Madeline Stewart is, uh, which would be quite surprising, uh, she's truly taken the world by storm. She is a 19-year-old who was born uh, and raised in uh, Australia, in Brisbane, as I previously mentioned, teenager who wanted to manifest becoming a model. And uh, she accomplished that. She held true to her goals and her dreams. And, uh, not only is she a model, but she's completely, as I mentioned, taken the world by storm. She's been featured in more than 400 media stories worldwide, which made her the most talked about model at NYFW. Uh, she's declared her message to the world, which is, and I quote, I am a successful model. Modeling is changing society's view of people with Down syndrome. Exposure is creating acceptance in life and inclusion. And so I just, I love that. I love that. You know, people, whether you have Down syndrome or not, there tends to be, um, there tends to be, uh, you know, inclination sometimes to stigmatize people or to make assumptions or presumptions of what people are capable of or to the degree that they can rise and uh, achieve their goals, uh, no matter how off the charts it might seem or how competitive the world uh, that they exist within may be. And so kudos to Madeline, uh, who is the only Down syndrome model in the world, who has been featured in many, many magazines, uh, many television networks. She's been on Fox uh, she's been interviewed through CNN. She's been in Woman's Weekly magazine. Uh, she's been in Elle magazine. Uh, she's got upcoming shows in Tokyo, Japan. She does a lot of fundraising. She's got a huge fan base and platform. Uh, I believe there's one page in particular where she wants to pay it forward by uh, giving people the opportunity for whatever their brand or their product is. Uh, to post on her page and she will endorse and get behind it and use her platform to help others gain additional exposure. Um, and it's my understanding too that she's recently found herself a boyfriend. Um, so truly happy for her with all aspects of her life that seem to be really aligning for her. And we're still behind the scenes here trying to uh, connect, as I said, with uh, Madeline's mother, Roseanne Stewart, who is Madeline's manager and mother. And uh, again, it's it's just gone one o'clock in the morning in Brisbane. 
uh, a little bit of confusion as to, based on the time change, what the day of the program was in terms of going live. So I think, unfortunately, Roseanne thought it was yesterday. doesn't mean if she doesn't connect with us today, we can't invite her back on. I'm sure she would be more than willing and receptive to do that. Uh, she's been a phenomenal parent in championing her daughter and embracing her passions and supporting her message. Uh, as you can imagine, a lot of extensive traveling, a lot of coordinating and scheduling on Madeline's behalf, uh, making sure that she's looking out for Madeline's best interest and really ensuring that whatever the agenda or whoever is seeking out Madeline, that's with good intentions and it supports the message and the brand of who Madeline Stewart is as a public figure. Um, and uh, I just think... When she does connect with us, if not this particular day on this particular show, it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal program. And uh, I can't wait to share with uh, Roseanne the fact that we share this um, compassion uh, and belief in eradicating stigma where other people are concerned. And so going back to my original point, you know, whether you are talking about Down syndrome, uh, whether you're talking about Special Olympics, whether you're talking about, you know, people who unfortunately aren't blessed with still having the gift of five senses, uh, not necessarily being able-bodied, for whatever the challenge, uh, and you don't even have to fit into that category of body parts or anatomy, uh, it could simply be uh, life circumstances, you know, uh, you you can't get to a, a point in life, and it could even be for many people at birth, you know, it's a blessing and it's a gift and a miracle if you're born with everything intact. And it's even further a blessing and a gift and a miracle if for every year going forward from the day that you've been born that you can hold on to your health, you can hold on to whatever it is that you were born and blessed with that allows you uh, to fully participate in life, uh, as many of us are, and again, unfortunately, do oftentimes take for granted. So, um, you know, I just, I love, as you would know, for loyal listeners here, which I want to thank you again for joining in and tuning in with me at the Contact Talk Radio Network every Friday at 11 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you know, I, I am very particular with the guests that I bring on to radio. But the one thing that they all share in common, and whether they're household name, not household name, whether they have a big following, don't have a big following, is the fact that uh, it's the bright lights, it's the trailblazers, it's the people who believe in themselves, it's the people who choose to, on a daily basis, remain committed to the plight and the mission of personal growth and personal development. The people who opt to relinquish fear, get out of their own way, embrace their life of passions, step into their preferred state of reality. Uh, and that, that's hard. You know, that's, it, it's a hard thing to do at all, but it's a hard thing to maintain on a consistent basis. Uh, because as we all know, life is unpredictable and you never know what each day is going to present and throw in your path, perhaps throw you off your game, challenge you, challenge your tenacity, your perseverance, uh, your resiliency may make you question a lot of things, your relationships, your relationship more importantly with yourself, uh, what you feel and believe in your heart of hearts that you're here to do, um, 
what your message is, how you choose to live your life, how you choose to interface, interact with people. And so the guests that I have been blessed to have on this show, the one thing they've always done uh, is pay it forward. You know, uh, I've had a variety of guests, uh, you know, people who write books, people who are artists in, in the musical sense, um, in, in other senses. And, you know, they have oftentimes come from a place of darkness when things haven't always been the greatest in their life, where they feel continually challenged and they find out very quickly what their vice is, what their outlet is, what they feel that they're meant to do, where they find their comfort, their solace, their safety net. And as a result of that, sometimes intentional, sometimes circumstantial, sometimes uh, completely unplanned, they realize, oh my goodness, I'm actually quite good at this. You know, what was supposed to be cathartic or therapeutic uh, and that be maybe the mindset as to why they choose to immerse themselves and lose themselves in that space of turning everything off and disengaging and just getting still with oneself and getting in your heart as opposed to your head. Um, you know, they have come to realize like, wow, I have, I have a real talent here. Uh, and this is something that I'd like to continually do on a regular basis and hone it and share my gifts and talents with the world and their message. And that can come out in lyrics for people who write songs, uh, who I said are, like I said, who are musicians, uh, people who write books, whatever they choose to then write about, whatever the premise of their story is or their message within the book. And, you know, and use the vehicle, whatever is afforded to them or whatever they seek out for themselves, uh, to get that out there. Because what we all know at the end of the day as human beings is we are not alone. You know, we all cry. We all bleed. We all struggle. We all know at various points in our life what it is to feel completely alone. And it doesn't matter who steps up and perhaps offers and lends their support. Uh, it, you know, whether it's even family, there are times in our life where we get challenged by things on such a personal, uh, deeply intimate level, uh, that, you know, you just have to kind of, you kind of have to maybe initially ruminate in it for a while, ponder it, process it, reflect, and get very clear on, okay, what am I going to do with this? You know, am I going to let this define me? Am I going to let this uh, impede my ability to move forward and believe that there is brightness in this world, that there are brighter days ahead, uh, that, you know, this is actually going to teach me something. I might not necessarily know what the lesson is right now or what I'm supposed to be gaining from this. You know, it feels painful. It's hard. Um, you know, and it could come down to, you know, why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. I do great things in the world. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that I'm the type of person who walks my talk, that I help whomever, whether it be on an anonymous basis, whether it be in a, in a public forum. Um, however you choose to live your life that makes you even more so real from whatever circumstance or hardship that you're, you're feeling challenged by. And so that's oftentimes what my guests and I have spoken about is the transformation process, the shift, uh, the getting out from underneath whatever that rock may be, whether it be a dissolved relationship, whether it be a non-acceptance into something that you worked really, really hard uh, and set your intentions on toward um, being accepted into or thinking that's going to be part and parcel of your journey. Um, 
it could be a number of things, you know, just recognizing too that because we all function at different levels of awareness. And again, that all goes back to our commitment to personal growth and uh, commitment and development, you know, so some people it's more comfortable to live in a place of mediocrity uh, or complacency uh, because it's predictable. Uh, but predictability doesn't always equate with uh, positivity or healthiness or growth. And, you know, and it's okay to stay in that period of time because I truly believe at some point something's going to give and you're going to get pushed out of that. Um, if you're the type of person who at some point gets really clear on the fact that you can't live like that. You you know, we're not here, uh, old adage, we're not here just to survive. We're here to thrive. And that comes from hard work. That comes from signing up, you know. Opportunities can present themselves, but if you don't choose or elect to get on board, if you don't choose to maximize those opportunity or to trust in the risk and stepping into it and not knowing necessarily where this is all going to go, um, but that's the beauty of things, you know, y- y- you don't know what is necessarily intended for you or to the degree that you're going to maximize your potential or to the degree that you're going to, by taking risks in a healthy direction and stepping forward and stepping into it and ridding yourself of the false beliefs and concepts that oftentimes keep people stuck, um, you know, you don't know to the degree that you're potentially uh, doing yourself a disservice. Um by shutting the door on things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about keeping the doors open. I'm all about collaboration. I'm all about sponging up the yumminess in life because there is so much out there depending on what you focus on, you know, how you choose to see the world, how you choose to see yourself, how you choose to see your future. It all fundamentally comes down to the inner real, the dialogue that's going on within yourself, with oneself. And again, that goes back to choice. I often talk about choices. And um, it it always amazes me. Uh, and, you know, it's seemingly no surprise anymore uh, for the types of guests, like I mentioned, who I've been blessed to have on my show. Um, you know, oftentimes it's the people who's been who've been through absolute hell and back, unimaginable pain, unimaginable conflict, uh, and perhaps have been a complete lone wolf in their life, have had very little infrastructure of support, uh, very little reason to be the type of person who could or should remain optimistic, would have many legitimate reasons to, uh, you know, write off things as this sucks, things aren't going to change, nothing's going to improve, nothing's going to get better, I don't deserve this, Uh, you know, if nobody else supports me, why should I believe that I deserve or I'm worthwhile what it is I feel that I might be interested in doing to change my life, to change the direction, to change the path, to embrace the goodness, uh, to fill up my well. And, you know, so it's kind of interesting how there always comes down to being you know, what I now say, two pods of people. And, you know, there's some people who grow up quite privileged, uh, you know, who haven't necessarily had to fight for their uh, place in this world, to own the stage in this world, um, you know, who have been, uh, you know, whatever they want, they seemingly get. And, you know, these people, for whatever reason, 
seem to sometimes, oftentimes, wind up in life being the most challenged or, uh, you know, they're the sabotagers or they're um, the people who go off the rails or the people who seem to lack inner strength or guidance uh, or the will to carry on. And yet the people who would have every reason in the world to throw in the towel uh, to say, you know, screw this, this isn't worth it, I can't handle this anymore, it's just been one succession of events after another, not working in my favor, uh, you know, not propping me up, um, I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting a break here, whatever the case may be. But it's the latter part of people, as I just described, uh, that seem to know how to turn shit into gold. Uh, who seem to be hungry enough, um, sick enough, sad enough, depressed enough, fed up enough uh, to just say, I, I can't exist in this space anymore, you know, and, and perhaps it can't get any worse than this. So knowing that we're faced with the choice of either continuing to remain in that space or alternatively elect for something better. And even though we don't know what better is, even though we don't necessarily know what the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year is going to bring us, and nothing's guaranteed, we all know that, um, there's just a fundamental, innate, intuitive calling uh, or compulsion to just say, enough. And I've talked about this particularly with one of my guests who I've had the pleasure of having on my show a couple of times, Dev Barron. Um, on the world-renowned stage as well, uh, huge leader when it comes to authentic leadership. And we talk about the fuck-it moments as compared to the aha moments. And the fuck-it moments are the place of pain. The people who are in the worst hell possible who make the decision, make the commitment to say, I will not continue living my life like this and refusing to believe that they need or should be a victim in their life. You know, victimology is so counterintuitive. It's so counterproductive. It does nothing to foster anything positive. Um, you know, and it's the people who I feel would have the right and what we've gleaned just from stories that we see and hear about on TV, radio, anything current in the news. You know, the people who, for what they've gone through, for all the things seemingly uh, working against them, uh, would, you know, legitimately for the majority of people say, you know, you have every reason in the world to feel sorry for yourself or just, you know, whatever. Uh, they don't. They don't. Um, they, you know, they don't want pity. They, they don't want, um, they don't, they don't want anybody feeling sorry for them. They don't want people looking at them as a have-not or a reject of society or a failure. Uh, and they have enough knowingness and belief within themselves and obviously enough gumption. And they've, they're surviving, having been through enough pain, to, as I say, elect to choose a different way of living, a different way of existing and taking that existence into living a life of yumminess and just perpetually putting one foot in front of the other and trusting in the process, trusting in themselves and knowing that things can and will only get better. And as I've mentioned many times before, as have my guests, that comes down to what you say. I mean, we're in our heads, we're in ourselves 24 seven. And, um, 
You know, you can have your camp of people who rah-rah cheerlead you, and there's always going to be the naysayers out there, uh, perhaps who don't get behind you, don't support you, waiting to see you fall flat on your face. Uh, but again, that's coming from their filters. That's coming from their own place of having to work on themselves, which is why it's so important not to personalize that or to take it on or to get consumed or to choose for that to uh, eat up your energy. Because uh, action goes and flows with whatever it is you're endeavoring to do. So very important to be cognizant of how you're treating yourself, how you're dialoguing with yourself, the choices in which you make, the people you choose to surround yourself with. Uh, because, again, let's face it, whether these people are aligned on your path, you know, even if they're completely incompatible in a lot of ways, but if what you share in common at the core of who you all are is love of life, uh, belief in self, uh, choosing to see the world as a, a positive place, and knowing that we, as our birthright, um, have the have the right to embrace all that, and we do deserve that to have to have that in our lives, in our daily lives, and um, so it's it's just very it's very important. It's very important. It's hard work. Uh, you know, as I said in the beginning of the show, it's very easy to get thrown off our game. Uh, you might feel as you're going forward and stepping into the unknown and trusting the process to the degree that you feel you can and that incrementally growing and growing as you start to make more progression or you get more internally stronger uh, or you get more clear uh, within your clarity and understanding uh, what it is that you've un- unfortunately been feeding yourself that hasn't served you. And you know, so very important to honor yourself. Uh, don't worry about whether people think uh, you haven't a clue as to what you're doing or they think your dreams or your passions are too big or they're unachievable or they're not sustainable. It's not maintainable. Uh, of course it is. Of course it is. And so what I say to myself and for people who are in the personal growth, personal development world, what we oftentimes talk about are things like 3D vision boards, things like self-proclamations, things like I am statements, things like walking into your preferred uh, state of reality, you know, already imagining and envisioning that for what you choose to do, for what you choose to have in your life, obviously through hard work and commitment, you know, things don't just happen. You have to get behind it and make these things come to fruition. Um, is, you know, manifesting. You know, I talk about manifesting quite often um, and getting very clear about what it is you choose to manifest and hone it. Every day, hone it. Um, you know, do what you love and love what you do. And if you stay true to that, and by staying true to that, you're then authentically honoring yourself. Uh, you'll be amazed, absolutely amazed at the rapid succession of great things that show up in your life. The wonderful people who align with you, the people who support you, the people who connect you with other people, uh, the people who get behind you because they see no matter what stage you are within the juncture, you've got uh, what people can't train you. you. You know, people can't teach you to have good attitude. People can't teach you, um, you know, to follow your dreams. I mean, all this has to come through self-realization, self-reassessment, perhaps reinvention, um, 
you know, but once you get in that zone and it truly, truly is a zone, you will not accept anything less from yourself. And because life does throw you off your game, what you will find uh, in the journey of remaining committed to yourself and that being practiced on a daily basis is that for whatever seemingly does, you know, for whatever seemingly goes awry, for whatever may not particularly align for you on that day, whatever uh, unforeseen circumstance that may throw you off your game, uh, hurt you, cause you to have to reevaluate things, go deep within once again, question things, process things, uh, the shift to get out of that negative zone or that counterintuitive zone, it clicks in very quickly. And so you go into reverse mode again to get back on the path, to stay on the path that you're truly meant to be on. And uh, I can personally attest to that. Um, what I've spoken about in one of my intro shows, uh, when I went live with the show for the first time with the Contact Talk Radio Network, uh, so my anniversary date, my one year just passed February 6th of this year. And so before I started inviting guests onto my show, uh, you know, I felt it only proper uh, and appropriate for people to get a sense of who I was. Like, who's Lisa McDonald? What does Lisa McDonald stand for? What's her vision? What's her mission? You know, what, what's her message? And so for those who may know a little bit of the backstory about me and my life, um, my reinvention process came as a result of um, personal change to circumstances. So I had been thrust into a divorce situation. I was living in a different province at the time. Uh, I had two young children, uh, decided very clearly that this was not a healthy situation. Uh, having been in social services, you can't unlearn what you've learned. And so, you know, for somebody who worked in women's shelters, was a director of women's shelters, knew all about abuse, knew about statistics, knew about cycles, uh, knew all about that. So... It was my responsibility uh, to ensure that my children grew up in a healthy environment. And so I had to make some seriously hard choices. Uh, and I had to make those choices in a province that I lived in where I did not have any support. I had no family. Uh, I was truly on my own other than coexisting with my children's dad, uh, who because of the space that we're in, I didn't have that support system either. Great dad. Uh, we'll always give them props for that. We're very amicable. We've worked through a lot of things. So uh, very proud of that because uh, we're both very committed to the fact that the children are the number one priority and we're on the same page with how that looks and what that entails. And so I transplanted myself with my children back in Ontario in the summer of 2011. Prior to that, I had hopped on a plane. First time I'd been separated from my children, who were then three years old and 18 months old. Uh, because I knew I was returning to where I was born and raised, it made sense. And, and knowing that it was going to be me living with my children in whatever the home I, I chose, uh, I had to come back and do two weeks uh, worth of house hunting. So a bit of a daunting, it was emotional time, uh, it was very daunting, you know, I had to look for a house by myself, buy a house. Uh, once I got the house, then I hopped back on the plane, very next day brought my children back to Ontario, and their dad had accepted a three-year contract as an engineer, which he is, uh, in Madagascar, Africa for uh, three years, six weeks out, ten days back, and that was our lives. Very difficult. Um didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, 
had many days of what am I doing? You know, am I good enough? You know, how am I going to get myself through this with the kids? How am I going to be strong for the children? Never second guessed or, or questioned my decision knowing that this was ultimately the necessary and the right decision. It doesn't mean that just because you get clear on that, that everything else falls into place. So big, huge healing journey. Uh, led into my reinvention process, uh, again, due to my circumstances of them becoming a single mom, uh, the chaotic schedule in which I used to work in uh, as an independent careerist prior to being a stay-at-home mom for six years, which I was fortunate to have had that opportunity to bond with my kids. Um, you know, it just wasn't conducive to my situation. So I allowed myself an 11-month window prior to my youngest starting school full-time to figure out what was I going to do? What was I going to do for income? What was I going to do to uh, compensate uh, my situation having changed? Um, what, you know, what was I going to do? And I was somebody who very much was a careerist. I invested a lot of time and money into my personal and professional growth, uh, climbed the ladder very quickly in my career. Um, you know, great portfolio, everything looked wonderful on paper, but that's what I had done for 25 years. And so I thought, well, I can't return to that. Uh, I have paid for my own college and university, paid for it cash, no grants, no loans, no help from mommy and daddy, did everything, you know, solely on my own, had been on my own since 16. So, you know, I was no stranger to being independent and I was no stranger to sacrifice um, and plowing through things that uh, a lot of hardships in my life, uh, just knowing that I had this innate sense of, you know, Lisa, step into it. You know, this is a scary time. It's an uncertain time. You you don't have a lot of answers, but you can't go backwards. You know, you can't go backwards. You can't necessarily go back to what it was you did beforehand. So I came across, and again, I don't believe in coincidences. I came across this book called The Passion Test, which was birthed by co-authors, New York Times bestselling authors, Janet and Chris Atwood, who later became my mentors. Uh, I'm now involved with them on a compilation book. I have a chapter in that book that's scheduled for release this summer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I read this book, The Passion Test, and it was exactly what I needed at the time that I needed it. I sponged it up. There was an opportunity to become what's called an online passion test facilitator uh, application. Did an online submission. Uh, it's a very branded product. It's very huge in the Asian market currently. And uh, so I went through extensive interviewing. And uh, finally, after many telephone interviews with uh, a veteran passion test facilitator herself who works very closely with the Atwoods uh, and trains a lot of people and recruits a lot of people, uh, she said I was welcome to the passion test family if it was something I still was interested in and wanted to pursue, which, of course, I was elated. I saw this as a gateway. I saw this as a pathway. I saw this as an opportunity to become entrepreneurial uh, and whatnot. And so I had the privilege of being trained by Janet Bray Atwood herself, the author, in her home, which is quite unheard of, but it just aligned that way. And so for three, four days of intensive training, uh, I ended up meeting phenomenal people who will always to this day remain my passion test brothers and sisters, all from around the world. I was one of 12 people selected from around the world for this opportunity. And I've had a couple of those people appear as guests on my radio show uh, and keep up uh, 
you know, lots of contact with them, follow them. They're all doing and manifesting yummy, incredible things in their lives. And uh, so, yeah, I got exceptionally clear as a result of my training, as a result of the book itself. I came back home. And I was then a licensed passion test facilitator, did some consulting, um, but realized that that wasn't exactly truly what my passion was. And so when I delved a little bit deeper, I realized I meant to be a writer. I had written since I was four or five years old, uh, had always gravitated towards the Englishes in school, excelled at English, um, you know, Love storytelling, love, love books, love bookstores, loved everything about it, loved the smell of paper, just loved it. And so I, uh, I ended up as a result of my clarity and that whole training experience and mentoring experience in California, I pumped out four books. They just seamlessly, effortlessly poured out of me. And then the journey began. It was like, okay, I've written books. And at that point, they were children's books. And then I realized if I was going to take it further and have this come to fruition and it be an actual book, uh, I needed to connect with people. I, You know, you don't know what you don't know, but this is where you have to relinquish the fear. This is where you have to start taking risks and believe in yourself, as I did. And I connected with the exact same bookstore in which I purchased that copy of The Passion Test, which changed my life in every which way. And the person who answered the phone at Chapters Bookstore, I said to her, you know, this might be uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. Not sure that you can actually help me. Maybe you can point me in the direction of who might be able to. Uh, but I've just written children's books. And uh, I realized I need illustrators. I need editors. I need printers. I need a whole host of things. And uh, this is all new to me and I don't know where to go. So she said, you know, we had a, a very interesting conversation about the book, The Passion Test and all of that. And she said to me, you know, Lisa, it's very interesting, no coincidences, that I was the one who picked up the telephone because it actually was going to be another person who I'm training right now and they wouldn't have been able to assist you in the way that I am able to right now. So she told me that one of her fall, uh, former colleagues who uh, continues to be one of her best friends today had left Chapters Bookstore as an employee to pursue her passions as an illustrator for children's books. Like, can you believe that? <laughs> I just about dropped the phone. And so she reached out and uh, connected us. We then set up an initial meeting. And uh, powerhouse couple, they're a married couple that live in Burlington, Ontario, Laura Aiken and Paul Pablo Schultz. So Paul does the uh, illustrations and Laura, his wife, does the coloring. And they have seriously, uh, my books, my books to date would not be what they are. The quality, uh, the allure for people looking at my books, being enthralled, wanting to pick it up off the shelf, wanting to buy it. Uh, they, the synergies between us aligned instantly. They, they, read me extremely well. They got who I was, what I was all about. Uh, again, very fortunate to have come across salt of the earth people, uh, people who are so exceptionally talented, probably, are, and because they're so humble, don't realize to the degree that they are exceptionally talented. And um, so anyway, uh, they've now uh, illustrated three of my books. Uh, I still have one more yet. Uh, it's already been written, but I have yet to have it illustrated and printed. Uh, and released. Um, but the, the story just continues. And so, you know, as a result of, um, 
as a result of knowing I needed to launch myself, you have to market yourself. Again, you know, not something I, I mean, yeah, I'd spoken a lot as an advocate uh, and as the, the person who spearheaded a lot of things within social services. And I was able to take a lot of those skills, transformational skills, and apply them to my new vocation of being self-employed, entrepreneurial. And, uh, you know, boom, bang. I'm telling you, within the span of fast forward to now, I think I'm sitting at uh, maybe 17, 18 months since the inception of that reinvention process. And I got sought out for radio. This particular radio show, Cameron Steele, the network owner, came across my website, which I had used as a tool to ramp up eBooks, uh, to ramp up how long it was going to take for my first hard copy book to be released from the printer. So trying to create some buzz. You know, all of that. And so Cameron sought me out, asked me if I'd ever considered being a radio show host. Would I want to be a radio show host? Really saw that my books, the premise of my books, what I'm all about, the brand of Lisa McDonald, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, all stood for and was indicative of the message of the network itself. Um, you know, paying it forward, living your life of passions, relinquishing fear, personal empowerment, uh, giving back to others. And, uh, so it was, it was clearly, it was a fit. And so I graciously accepted. Again, my first show, I went live February 6th. Uh, you know, people started paying attention to what it was that I was doing and what I was creating for myself. Uh, they saw that I believed in myself. I mean, I was like, you know, stumbling through things initially, and I still do. I still continue to do it, but at least I, I'm committed to stumbling, not staying still, not going backwards, but let's just see where this goes. And I step into it every day. And so now I've, I've had phenomenal guests on my show, uh, you know, household names, people who have been very successful uh, in their careers and who have gotten behind themselves, what they stand for. Uh, and you emanate that, you know, when you love what you do and you do what you love, you emanate that to the rest of the world. And because we know this world is oftentimes filled with bad news, people dying, uh, war, uh, tragedy upon tragedy, you know, <clears throat> it's really important that we focus on the positives. You know, we got to fill up the well. We got to retrain ourselves, get back into a space that, that, you know, reminds us that it's a gift to still be here. And I fundamentally believe that the world is a better place to be, uh, that it's a good place, uh, as opposed to not. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, Janet Bray Atwood, who I mentioned was a co-author, New York Times bestselling author of the Passion Test, which really got my journey catapulted to the degree that it has been. Uh, fast forward to my second book, Reimburse the Universe. Uh, she was gracious enough to have written the forward for that. Fast forward to uh, Rob Pruce, you know, former keyboardist of the band Spoons, iconic uh, band Spoons, Juno Award winner from moving on to Honeymoon Suite. Uh, Mamma Mia, musical associate director for 15 years on Broadway in New York. You know, he's now collaborated with me on my third book. He's written the forward. We're going to be doing joint book signings, appearances. Uh, he was gracious enough to have uh, created the intro, outro music for my other radio show. Um, you know, I'm just meeting a lot of phenomenal people, and I will never, never forget where I came from. I will never forget the hardships that have put me here. I will never forget the people like the Cameron Steeles who provided me with this platform and opportunity, who saw something in me, uh, who wanted me to be a part of the network, who felt that I had a place, that I had a message. And so for everybody who has continually supported me, 
for everybody who has continually given me the gift of their time, for everyone who has imparted their wisdom, uh, for everyone who has blessed me with their presence, uh, for the like-minded people, the trailblazers, uh, the people who love life, who continue to chip away at things every day for the sake of being the best version of themselves. By being the best version of yourself, you then uh, fill up other people's well. You pay it forward with the positivity. You pay it forward with the gratitude. I can't thank you enough. You know, I, I really, truly cannot thank you all enough. Uh, and it goes so far beyond the people who have been kind and generous enough to have purchased my books or to have appeared as an actual guest on my radio show and oftentimes have then forwarded me a testimonial for my website. Um, it's, it's just the spirit. It's just feeling like I belong to a part of a tribe um, that gets it, get, gets me, uh, you know, gets themselves... Um, you know, it's just such a wonderful place to be. And I get to be in this place every day, again, through choice. And not everything's perfect, not everything aligns, but it's the commitment to ensuring that you stay on the right path, that you make the right choices that honor yourself, uh, that keep you in the presence and the company of other healthy people, other people who are also equally committed to personal growth and development every day because the world needs people like us and the, per- the, the world needs people like you if you happen to be so inclined. And so I just want to say that as unfortunate as it was for time difference, confusion around uh, the day of the schedule, uh, and the day being quite different in Australia to where we are here. Um, you know, I still am grateful for the fact that um, Madeline Stewart's mom, Roseanne, was agreeable to having done the show, uh, that, you know, she was lovely behind the scenes, providing me with bio and contact information and everything. I'm quite confident we're going to have her back on the show once we iron out this little detail of time and geography. And uh, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I want to say thank you for supporting me. I want to thank you for all the yummy things that I gleaned from you, for those who I'm connected to through radio, but also on Facebook and other social media platforms, for sharing your yumminess and sharing your gifts and talents. I derive a lot of inner strength and motivation and inspiration from you. Uh, and it's all reciprocal. The good stuff is reciprocal. And I just want to say thank you to everyone. So we're just about to wrap up here. And uh, I'll let it be known when we're actually going to be in a position to bring Roseanne back onto the show and actually go live with her intact. Uh, I want to wish everyone an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Uh, you know, be safe. Stay grateful. Thank you very much for your loyal listenership. If you wish to appear as a guest on my show or if you want to put forth any show topic ideas, I can be reached at lisamcdonaldauthor.com and McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D or alternatively, you can reach me through my email address, which is lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. I want to say thank you very much. Wish everyone all my best. Have a phenomenal weekend. We'll check back here at the Contact Talk Radio Network next Friday. Love to you all. Bye-bye. Been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.